Hardly supposed to be. What happens if you have no friends, ladies and gentlemen? You've always got Jesus. Shark mode. That's God telling me I was supposed to be somewhere at some point last week. Well, I said goodbye last week, last week. So we will not rehash last week. How the hell are you, by the way, ladies and gentlemen? Having a great time?
you doing folks it's your old chuckle buddy guess who jonathan james ramcharan reporting live for duty on this magnificent october 8th in the year of our lord 2019 welcome and bienvenue to jonathan ramcharan the podcast how you doing if you're new to the show Jonathan Ramcher and the podcast. I am an actor extraordinaire. 18 years of service. Diploma in theater arts. I feel blessed. I feel happy, hopeful for the future as an actor. Yes. Yes. Because, you know, the benefit of hindsight is you can look back at all the little fuck-ups, the little turmoils, the little fucking trips, the little dips that you took back in the day. And you move forward to a better day. Hallelujah. 
And I'm singing, you know, it's fucking 4.52 in the a.m. And I'm singing the praise, you know. I love being an actor, you know. And um, I'm more confident than ever, you know. I got my experience under my belt, the experience under my belt buckle, you know. I got hope, drive, dedication, passion, energy for the future, you know. I got my youth. And like I said, I got the reflection, the reflection on the past and how I can make a better future. Recently, I was watching TV and I saw a fellow actor. Now, this is a dude I did a college production with about 10 years ago. And, and across that time, in the last 10 years, I've seen him from time to time in various little commercials, you know? And hey, that's cool. He's working. He's getting a little commercial work here and there. That's work that I don't want, number one. Uh, I'm not really that type of performer. I, I can't fake that interest. Well, I can, but I don't want to, basically. No actor really wants to. Some will fucking sell themselves to do it. Some won't. <laughs> so I've always been that kind where it's like I'm kind of curmudgeon I'm kind of like, you know, I do my own thing. Which, you know, it, it has its pros. It has its cons. But basically what I'm trying to say is, you know, he's got this career going as like a commercial actor, little bit parts here and there and stuff like that. And, you know, I can truly look at him and uh, be happy. Not even happy, but I would say indifferent. Um, It doesn't bother me that he is, you know, still getting work and he is still... um, you know, seemingly doing well for himself because he was a real prick. I remember back in the day when we did this um, college production, it was like a little scene that we were doing in this college film class. And, um, you know, one of the cornerstones of being an actor, it's almost like rule number one, know your lines. You got to know your lines as an actor. You can't come in like, day I, I, stumbling, right? You know, you might be able to do that on a podcast, but you can't do that as an actor. You got to go in there like a fucking gunny, you know, like a like a gunny sack, I was about to say, but more like a fucking, you know, uh, you know, like a AR-15, you know what I mean? And like, you know, tearing out the movie theater and that's what you got to do. Like as an actor, you got to go in there and just fucking hit it. Well, this bozo comes in, doesn't know his lines. So he's like improvising all these lines and joking around and fucking around. And the director's loving it. And I'm just like sitting there like, yo, like, what was the point of me memorizing all these fucking lines? What's my cue? Like, that's another thing too. When you don't know your lines as an actor, it fucks you up. But more importantly, it fucks up the production. Because now your fellow actors, they don't know what their cues are. I'm just staring at them like, well... I don't know what what's my cue. When do I jump in? When is he finished? So he's up there just, you know, improvising. And, you know, I'm a legitimate actor. I'm a trained actor. I know what my job is. And my job is to fulfill the script to the, you know, to the satisfaction of the director, basically, to the satisfaction of the production. 
to serve the production. And how I serve the production is by knowing my lines and, you know, going along with the script. So I'm, I'm just like looking at him like, uh, what? What's what? So I'm, you know, whatever I'm going, I'm, I'm trying to just play off of him the best I can saying my lines. And it really kind of threw me under the bus. You know, that's a way to really fucking throw your fellow actor, your fellow scene partner under the bus is when you start fucking with their lines. That's like, that'd be as if you were a musician and, you know, we, we, we meet up to play a song and I'm under the impression that we're going to be playing Happy Birthday and then you start fucking humming Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You know, I pull up my guitar you're over there like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a really shiny, you know, like what the fuck? We're playing the different song. What the fuck? I thought we were playing Happy Birthday, you fucking asshole. What are you doing playing Rudolph the Red-Nosed motherfucking Reindeer? All right? It's Happy Birthday, shithead. So like that's that's what it is when you're an actor and the other actor isn't doing their lines you're you're almost going off you're you're playing against each other you're not even on the same page you know so that's what this fucking idiot did he threw me under the bus basically and it was a fucking weird experience and I never forgot that because it was really like humiliating I you know and ugh. And there was also like a racial component to it too. Like um, it was just like this really awkward filming situation. And then afterwards, uh, one of the teachers, the one of the film teachers from the college goes, uh, oh yeah, and the thing about black people is you got to do their makeup differently so they show up on the camera. They said some fucking weird fucking thing like that. I was like, oh my God. And I just like, washed the makeup off of my face and <laughs> just left, right? And you know what I mean? So I had that fucked up situation and I see that actor from time to time in these little um, commercials and shit and I could give a fuck less. Like, to be honest, I'm indifferent. To give a fuck less has a tinge of anger to it. I'm more indifferent. You know, I'm not particularly happy or unhappy for him or interested in him. I'm indifferent. I'm interested in my journey. And I'm not looking at other people and what they do and measuring myself up to what they do or they don't or dwelling on things or whatever. I got the benefit of experience. I got the benefit of, um, you know resiliency and I'm just rocking with it and um, you know I feel fucking amazing so there you have it Jonathan Ramcharan actor I am also an alcoholic whoops is that an oxymoron <laughs> I feel amazingly alcoholic um, yes uh, two years ten months of sobriety actually coming up eleven months of sobriety but I'm getting ahead of myself. Two years and 10 months of sobriety. If you should need recovery in your life, ladies and gentlemen, please do seek it out. What I did was I joined a 12-step program. That ain't nothing official. That has nothing to do with God. These are just meetings that you attend. Um, these are meetings that you can find throughout cities, throughout the world. You attend these meetings. 
you practice various steps of recovery alongside other um, addicts, alcoholics, X, Y, and Z. You get to share on your issues. You get to hear others share on their issues. And in that process, day by day, you um, learn how to live a new life, a sober life. And then eventually those days add up and then you find yourself in a new life, you know, and um, it's a blessing. Um, I recently paid off a bill. Yes, I had a bill looming over my head. Eh, it wasn't really looming, but uh, it was an old bill. Um, I had a cell phone that I had canceled. <laughs> it was this cell phone that I had canceled in like 2016 or something or 2015. And part of that was like at the time I was with this cell phone company and um, you know how sometimes they have those promotions when it's like, um, we'll give you a free phone if you sign up for 10 years of um, cell phone service, you know, some real fucking ball and chain kind of deal, you know, some slave kind of a relationship with a cell phone company provider. Anyways, I got roped into one of those because I was drunk and, uh, you know, just kind of stupid. One, of, You know, I was younger. I was dumb. You know, I was just really unresponsible with my finances. And um, so anyways, I get this cell phone under this contract, right? So basically, I get a free cell phone after the contract is fulfilled. And that could take years, right? So um, I have this cell phone. And one night, I get pissed drunk. Hammered, blotto, stinko. I'm fucking soused. And uh, tits to the wind. And I end up in a cab. Cab pulls up to my house. Hello, sir. Okay, that will be $35, sir. $35, sir. I was like, ah, shit. <clears throat> well, uh, <clears throat> sorry, bud. Uh, um, yeah, um, I don't, uh, I don't have any money. The fucking cab driver just loses his shit. What the fuck do you mean you don't have any money? Blah, 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 blah. And rightfully so. I mean, <laughs> pathetic alcoholic catching a cab with no money. And I'm just like, oh, well, you know, buddy. Uh, <clears throat> that's how I sounded back then, too. Because I was chain smoking, drinking, drunk all the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just sounded like an idiot. Uh, yeah, well, uh, okay, buddy. Well, uh, <clears throat> well, why don't you, uh, here, hold on to my cell phone and let me go upstairs and get some money. So I give him the cell phone to hold on to, and I'm gone. <laughs> Never to be seen again. I could just picture him yelling in the parking lot. You motherfucker! What am I supposed to do with the cell phone? Screaming. And uh, because I did that, I ditched the bill, and I uh, gave the guy the cell phone. It was a brand new cell phone, too, so if he sold it or did whatever. Either way, it was pathetic. <laughs> Well, I didn't have money for the fucking cab fare. I'm like, I ah, would ever have a cell phone. <laughs> it was a new cell phone. Hey, I ain't justifying it, you know. And um, but uh, basically, because it because I did that, um, at some point I wound up canceling the cell phone bill, and I still owed them. I still owed them for the cell phone. So it was like a three hundred dollar bill. And uh, you know. Just yesterday, um, well, not yesterday, a couple days ago, um, yo, I called up the cell phone provider, 
asked them how much I owed. They told me it was like $295.26 and paid it off. You know? And that's a blessing of recovery. You start getting your life back in order, your finances back in order, your priorities. And, um, you know, I didn't have to pay that off either, by the way. After seven years, apparently, all um, debts are removed from your credit score. Some people say that's not true. Some people do say it's true. I briefly looked it up online. And not to toot my own horn, I didn't have to pay that off. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure it would have just evaporated off of my credit history. But I paid it off because I owed it. Not because I'm a particularly good person, but because I owed that money. I owed it. It was actually a long-standing bill that I owed. So I'm not some prince or white knight in the situation. I had owed them money for years. And I finally got to a place where I had some extra money where it's like, okay, let me take care of this. And I paid it off. I took the accountability. And that's the benefit of recovery. You get to be a more accountable person. Somebody that you can respect. And if you're going to respect anybody, it might as well be yourself. (laughs) So there you have it. Jonathan Ramcharan, alcoholic. I am also an, well, a janitor. Yep, I'm a janitor. Uh, I'm talking mopping floors, right? You push your little mop bucket and you dip the fucking mop in the mop water and then you mop the floor mopping floors um, you know uh, washing windows window washing Changing garbages, right? And I push my little garbage trolley. Push my garbage trolley. Changing uh, organic waste, garbage, recycle bin, paper bin, you know. you know. So generally speaking, throughout the week, you could find me headfirst in a urinal, scrubbing, uh, mopping toilets, things of that nature. It's very blessed. What it does is it provides me with an income, Right? It helps me cover my bases. It helps me cover my bills. Like, for example, in that last story, um, it facilitates my basic upkeep. And it keeps me in the game of actor. Because as an actor, you got to be able to cover your bases. It costs money to, um, you know, like any industry you're in, you need... um, You need uh, resources. You need an influx of resources to, you know, further the growth of the business. And as an actor, you need all sorts of things that add up. Um, You know, courses, uh, clothing, equipment, transportation, um, just the overhead of having an apartment, Rest and relaxation is very important in the creative process. You can't be couch surfing your entire fucking career, 
when you're when you're living in unstable conditions, which I've done, I've been homeless, I've been, you know, paying rent to sleep in people's, you know, guest rooms, and you feel like an unwanted guest and all that type of shit. I've done all that shit, the starving artist thing. It is very important to have a place where you can close the door at the end of the day and focus on yourself and your creativity and just, you know, be, be in your own space. And um, what they fail to tell you about being a starving artist is that unless you make it, you're kind of pathetic. Yeah. Unless you make it, you're kind of a loser. And that's the... um, that's the romanticism of um, not knowing what the fuck you signed up for. Oh, yeah, they, uh, I'm just going to, you know, go by the seat of my pants and hope it all works out. Well, you got to take that initial risk. You do. But um, after a while, after a while, you got to learn how to work smarter, not harder. Right. So cover your bases, dot your T's, cross your I's. And, uh, you know, that's what that is. And one thing I'm dealing with right now as a janitor is um, the idea of bureaucracy. Yes, bureaucracy. Um, The blah, 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 the the political blah, blah, blah of a workforce, a job place, right? It's kind of funny because, you know, in any job setting, The beauty of bureaucracy is that, sure, it may be annoying, but you can get lost in the same bureaucracy, which is kind of funny. You know what I mean? It's like they could utilize me as a worker better, but I'm caught up in this bureaucracy, it it seems, where everybody's so petty and tit for tat that it's like my day is basically spent, a big portion of my day is spent just in plain bureaucracy. Jonathan, over here. Jonathan, over there. Jonathan, over there. Over here. Over where? Just like wandering around, going to every little stupid little hiccup that people want to complain about. It's all so petty. The other day I was washing a register, like a fucking, um, what do you call it? Like a, like a radiator. Uh, Jonathan, we need you on the 11th floor to wipe down a uh, heating register. I'm like, uh, okay. So I I had to go all the way down to the storage room and get a fucking uh, mop bucket and fill it with water and soap. And I had to lug lug this fucking mop bucket up to the fucking... um, 11th floor and then I'm, I'm rinsing down a fucking radiator that didn't need to be rinsed. There was nothing wrong with it. It wasn't dirty. It's pure bureaucracy. Some stupid fucking idiot poked their head up and said this, said that. Now I'm over here doing this bonehead errand, this fucking fool's errand that they got me sent on for no fucking reason. And it's like, that's what my day consists of, just pure bureaucracy. And it's fine because it's like, hey, if I'm the hero of the hour because I fulfilled some stupid task that some asshole wants us to do, like, then let it be. I mean, it's to that point where it's like, I don't even know what I do in a day sometimes. It's just like, they got me wandering around, sweeping up dust and dusting. I remember one, t- oh yeah, l- last week, there was another complaint. Jonathan, the radiators need dusting. The radiators on the second floor need dusting. 
So I'm like, okay, uh, uh, uh. so I go, I go in, I get the little dust rag, and I go up to the fucking second floor. I'm, uh, 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 oh no, the, the radiators need dusting. Uh, uh. And I'm, I'm dusting these radiators. The radiators didn't need dusting. None of it needed to be done. Just horseshit bureaucracy. People playing games with each other. It's like if they want me to do you, and it's like such common sense. It's like, okay. Obviously, this is a work, this is a building, a, uh, a place of work, right? An office building. What are the priorities? Any fucking idiot could tell you that. Okay, mopping floors, sweeping floors, attending to the bathrooms, cafeteria spaces, entrances and exits, parking lot. Off the top of my head, those are the places of focal points. Not dusting radiators and washing down radiators and dusting between here and dibbly dibbly do all the stupid bureaucracy that means nothing. Meanwhile, the fucking place is on fire. They got me fucking, <laughs> you know, watering the plants while the building's on fire. It's just retarded, right? So it's like, okay, whatever. If that's what they want to do, if that's what they want me to do, then fine, right? Swept up in the bureaucracy. And that's a beautiful thing, though, because when you know that's a, that it's all a game, hey, just play the game, too. If it makes the boss happy, then whoa, who cares? My boss is happy with it, so whatever. Who cares? That's how they want to use me? Then let them use me that way. If they're happy with me doing these stupid little fool errands all fucking day, then whatever. If they're happy, I'm happy. It's good for the goose. It's good for the gander. And um, I think that's a very important thing to remember. Um, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't back talk. Don't, if you want to get, a, if you like a part of why I talk about this janitorial hustle is it relates to all working environments. This bureaucracy I'm talking about relates to all working environments. Um, there ain't no need to question policy. There ain't no need to question the boneheaded backwardness of what your boss tells you. When your boss tells you something stupid and backwards to do, unless it's something that's going to harm somebody, just do it. You know in your head, oh, this is a stupid thing that you're asking me to do. Who gives a flying fuck? But hey, if that's what they're telling you to do and it's not hurting anybody, do it. Who cares? Whatever. Fuck it. If they're happy, that makes your life easier. I'm there to serve them. I'm there to do my job. They're telling me to go play imagination. They're telling me to go sweep and dust like a fucking moron. Then I'll go do it. I don't give a shit. I know that there's other things that need to be done. Anybody with half a fucking brain can open their eyes and say, hey, that needs cleaning. That needs cleaning. That needs attending to. I'd rather have things to do because it makes the day go quicker. You know? When they send me on these little fool errands, it's like me playing make-belief. It's like I have to make belief what they're saying actually makes fucking sense, which it doesn't. And if you can relate to that, that's the frustration I think people find in the workplace. A lot of times you're going to be in a position where you got to make believe what you're doing makes any sense when it makes no fucking sense. You know, and that's what a lot of my days lately have been about. Like I said, dusting things, washing windows that don't need washing. It's just so stupid. But hey, if you're getting hit with the bureaucracy, hide in the bureaucracy. You want me to play imagination? Okay, I'll play imagination. You're right. 
There is an invisible monster standing right there. You're absolutely right. I see it. Oh, a unicorn. Hey, I see the unicorn. You're absolutely right. Oh, look, there's Bigfoot. Let's go for coffee. You know? Oh, the Loch Ness Monster. You're absolutely right. There it is. It's swimming in my fucking soup. You know, like, just play the same fucking bureaucracy that they play. And you will have a great day of work. (laughs) So there's my pep talk. There's my pep talk. And there you have it. Jonathan Ramcharan, janitor. And last of all, I am a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. I'm in my 11th year of service. Yes, 11 years uh, stand-up comedian. Um, Feeling very much the same as I alluded to in my acting life. I'm feeling very confident, very grateful, very youthful, and uh, just going to go on with it. Um, I do my due diligence. I write. I come up with ideas. I do the podcast. And I keep my long-term goals on comedy. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon, as they would say. Right? So... A lot of times, to be honest, I don't get what I want. I look at things and it's just like, hmm, it's not really how I want it. But I do have the experience. I do have the work ethic. And all will be revealed in time. Till then, I'm just smiling as much as I can. So there you have it. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor, alcoholic, janitor, stand-up comedian. So, welcome to the show. I'm back. Yes, due to the magic of editing, uh, I paused this morning's recording to go and do my janitorial hustle. You know, like I said, washing windows, pushing my garbage trolley, you know, mopping floors. Did that horse shit, that bureaucratic horse shit nonsense, and here I am, continuing on with the podcast a little over 12 hours later. Actually, yeah, so there we have it. So, we are actually the day after a very monumental occasion in 2019, Canada. Last night was the federal elections debate, 2019. It was televised on television... And it was the, uh, you know, federal elections debate. All the uh, heads of the most prominent political parties of Canada got together to debate questions that are near and dear to the hearts of Canadians going into this federal election, October 21st. Yes, the title of Prime Minister is on the table. And these motherfuckers are chomping at the bit trying to get your vote. It was quite an enchanting affair. Let me give you a summation of the parties that were in contention last evening. Now, this is by no means a full list of the um, political parties of Canada. These are just the five most prominent ones, the ones that are um, featured most prominently in the federal elections race. So we have the Liberal Party of Canada. That's spearheaded by um, 
Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. You know, old blackface, brownfaced, blue-eyed, uh, turban-having, fucking blackface huffing uh, Justin Trudeau. Yes, he is the Liberal Party leader. <sighs> Bit of a swarmy fuck, wet blanket, entitled, uh, turban-having, blackface-wearing fucking swarmy fuck there ain't no uh, there ain't no ants ifs or buts about it he's a swarmy fuck there ain't no um cure for that i don't know what we can do with him in regards to that he's just a swarmy entitled fuck um but um you know that's the leader of canada <laughs> uh i voted for him last election season and um Against what I kind of thought in my bones, I'm like, deep down in my bones, I'm like, yo, this guy's a swarmy fuck, and he's so insincere, so insincere, but, um, I don't know, you know, then we have the Conservative Party of Canada, that is headed by Andrew Scheer, this squinty-eyed, fucking smooth-talking, fucking, uh, conservative, tight-wad, isolationist secret isolationist this guy is basically finance 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 fuck diversity fuck the environment but they do it in a backwards manner they talk a good game but at their heart they're just about money and um you know keeping their friends in high places so that's the conservative party of canada in my opinion then you got the social democratic party or what do you call that the ndp the New Democratic Party. That's spearheaded by Jagmeet Singh. A fine young specimen. He's a Sikh man. He wears turban. Fucking bushy fucking uh, beard. Uh, one of the first, I think if not the first visible minority running for um, or in real contention for the Prime Ministership of Canada. Very well spoken. A lot of um, social um, policy in his politics, in his ideologies, obviously, as a social democrat. Um, Yeah, I personally think he had the strongest debate uh, last night. Not to say that... um, Because basically, um, they were all very... It was just, you know, typical politics... It was all a bunch of blah, 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 blah. Basically, there was a review in, in, the, in the Metro Toronto Star. There was a review of last night's debates and was basically uh, summed up as misleading. So I think personally, Jagmeet Singh kind of held his own the best, was kind of, in my opinion, the crowd favorite, like at the... Uh, debate he was just very well spoken always had a great comeback had jokes was charming uh he even got an applause break um at one point uh the whole when it went to an open debate forum when the floor is just open for debate it was just this fucking swell of everybody's talking at once and I don't even know what the issue was. It was just chaos. All of a sudden, Jag Meat uh, intersects, interjects, and goes, um, uh, A man never has a say in a woman's choice. 
which, um, you know, got a thunderous applause break. So like, I don't even know why he said that. I don't even know what the discussion was about. But, you know, he got an applause break. You can't take that away from him. So I definitely think Jagmeet Singh had the strongest um, presence during the debate. But to be honest, I kind of side with what the news article said. It was all just very misleading. But um, I digress. Uh, that's Jagmeet Singh of the New Democratic Party. And um, to continue on, um, there was also the Quebec, uh, the Bloc Québécois, which is um, spearheaded by Yves Francois Blanchet. This Frenchman just went on stage and here's what I think about the Bloc Québécois. I think what their idea is, is to basically, I don't think their agenda is to ever really gain prime ministership, to get the prime ministership. I don't think that's really ever their goal. I think their goal is to really just be a, uh, to be a, um, a, uh, a seat, a, uh, a voice for Quebec, because Quebec has been historically a uh, very separatist uh, province. They're very much uh, trying to keep their French sovereignty, their French, uh, their French heritage. They're a separatist uh, for the most part, or in the past anyways. They have a lot of separatist ideas, beliefs. And I think the Bloc Québécois really just exists to um, to keep the French presence known and strong on the Canadian stage, the French heritage. I don't think they ever have any illusion that they're ever going to win <laughs> the prime ministership, uh, that party. They just don't speak to the vast majority of Canadians. They speak to a very specific sector. And I could kind of tell by um, Yves... Francois Blanchet, the uh, Bloc Québécois uh, leader, he was not really in the debate. He was kind of really just kind of planting his uh, Québécois, Quebec flag, really speaking for Quebec. And I think he was really just trying to, um, to, to remain in power in his... Uh, in his party leadership. I think he was really just trying to maintain his party leadership versus the prime ministership, if that makes sense. He just really wasn't in the debate. Like, everything he said was very much pro-Quebecois and what about Quebec? And I stand for Quebec. And Quebec will not take a backseat to this. And Quebec, Quebec, Quebec. It was kind of like, yo, dude, like you've lost the entire audience. But um, I guess if you're in Quebec, you're just like sucking this guy's cock around the clock. Oh my God. Almost did an English accent there, but je m'appelle Yves Francois Blanchet. He speaks for me. Le cornichon, pamplemousse, Like I don't know, whatever the fuck. Like he was, he was just basically trying to maintain his party leadership. That's what I kind of got from his presence. Then there was the Green Party of Canada. Um, headed by um, Elizabeth May. Hey, she's a environmentalist. She's very vocal on the um, the climate crisis that's going on. I definitely think her voice is important. I definitely think the Green Party is important. In my view, she just doesn't have that leadership uh, 
edge. She got walked over and talked over a lot during the debate, and it had nothing to do with being a woman. She just had to speak up more, and she didn't. She resorted to like childlike kind of um, debating techniques, like, well, if you're just going to talk over me, then go ahead and talk. Okay, okay, just go ahead and talk. Like That doesn't work. You have to jump back at them. You have to meet fire with fire during a debate. If they're talking over you, then you just talk back over them. You don't relent. And that's how... Unfortunately, you have to stand up in this political climate as a leader. You can't be some fucking um, pushover. And um, her voice is very important. The Green Party is very important. I think um, she definitely has to be in the picture somehow during this environmental crisis and a lot of the environmental concerns that are going on in the world right now. Um, The Green Party of Canada, Elizabeth May, Elizabeth May, the... um, the leader, but I just don't think she has the chops for prime minister, prime ministership. I just don't think she has the chops. Uh, and finally, there's the People's Party of Canada, and these people are out to fucking lunch. They're basically a very dark version of the Conservative Party. Um, I don't know fully the whole story of them, other than they got they're basically like a very far right leaning party. They're a very isolationist ideology, meaning they are void of international interest, international concern. Their primary concern is economy, finance, and everything else can fuck off. Like that's basically the People's Party of Canada's platform. They're just financially concerned. Um, They have no empathy or interest for matters of diversity, immigration, environment, um, any social, moral interest. They're just basically financial. And they attract a lot of dark, um, far-right-leaning types of people. Real ugly ideologies, real divisive type of people, you know? Um, Justin Trudeau smacked uh, Andrew Scheer with a nice little quip. Because it's kind of funny, it, it became like a mudslinging uh, event right off the cuff, right off the cuff, right off the hop. Um, the opening question to the uh, to the uh, the candidates, the the prime ministership candidates, the leaders, the first question was asked by just an audience member, and, and he gets up, this young Asian man, smooth young Asian man, he gets up and says something along the lines of. Um, Okay, um, as potential prime ministers, what are your people's view on um, the whole uh, protests in China and the economic relationship with China and diversity going forward? And, you know, everyone, you know, Prime Minister Trudeau gave his, thank you very much for your question. As prime minister, I am very concerned with inclusivity, um, democracy, um, diversity, uh, the environment, blah, blah, blah. I'm your puppet. I'll do whatever it takes. Please look aside from the fact that I used to wear black face and brown face and I wore a turban and I'm a fucking swarmy fuck. Please look aside from all those issues. Like Prime Minister Trudeau, he just gave his little fucking, you know, um, you know, standard little spiel, right? Then fucking um, Andrew Shear just hops right to it. His response is basically... Um, Ignores the guy's question, ignores the question on China, 
uh, protests and uh, economic resolve with China, just totally ignores that and jumps into this. He goes, uh, what does he say? He goes, um, Mr. Trudeau, you are a fake, a phony, and a fraud. <laughs> just straight up calls out uh, Trudeau. You're a fake, a phony, and a fraud. Had nothing to do with the question. <laughs> but then uh, to, to, to slap back, to strike back, Trudeau hits back. He goes, um, uh, in regards to Maxime Bernier, that's the uh, People's Party of Canada leader that I mentioned, the far-right-leaning party, like the, the ultra-conservative party. He goes, um, he says to Maxime Bernier, he goes, uh, I have this written down here. He says, um, your um, only role on this stage, sorry, I should say it like Trudeau, Mr. Maxime Bernier, whatever the fuck your name is, your only role on this stage is to stay is to say publicly what Andrew Shear thinks privately. That was a good little zinger. Your only little your only role on this stage is to say publicly what Andrew Shear thinks privately. So um, you know, he slapped him with that one. That was pretty good. And um that's basically the People's Party of Canada, real um far ultra right isolationist policy. So there you have it, um, the five parties of Canada that are in contention for the prime ministership, the five major ones, and let me just give that again. Um, the Liberal Party of Canada, headed by Justin Trudeau, Conservative Party of Canada, headed by Andrew Scheer, New Democratic Party, headed by Jagmeet Singh, Bloc Québécois, headed by Yves Francois Blanchet. Green Party of Canada, headed by Elizabeth May, and the People's Party of Canada, headed by Maxime Bernier. You know, um, the majority of the questions that came across during this debate was basically on um, the environment, diversity, and uh, those were the the environment, diversity, and um, affordability affordability and household uh, debt. So basically, um, the, you know, the day-to-day household economy, just like, I know, like in terms of, uh, it was even called like household debt. That was one of the questions. That was one of the subcategories. One of the categories was household debts. So those were the basic questions on immigration, diversity, indigenous rights, affordability, household debts, environment, and energy. Those were the main topics. And it was all very much, like I said, um, in, this, uh, in this review by the Metro Star Canada, uh, the Metro Star Canada newspaper, October 8th, 2019. They basically summed the whole thing up as very misleading. There was a lot of misinformation at times. Like I mentioned, uh, it would just dissolve into like people talking over each other. They said that there was no real clear winner in the debate. But I personally think Jagmeet Singh was heads above everybody else. Like Trudeau, 
you know, as he is a swarmy fuck and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he does his best and he's all right and whatever. I don't really quite know what to think of him. He did hold his own, but I don't know if it was saying so much because it's like, yo, you've been a world leader for four years, right? You've been on the world stage out and about discussing and debating with world leaders, political activists, um, professionals, the day-to-day person. Um, you've been out there having these debates and, you know, he was like, you know, he, he didn't look that far above his candidates. Like his candidates were, you know, he didn't look that much more seasoned. I didn't see any sense of, you know, experience or insight or wisdom. Like he, you know, he seemed a bit like a swarmy fuck, a fucking uh, black face, brown face, turban having, uh, you know, swarmy fuck. And, uh, but you know, whatever. Um, but I, I would say Jagmeet Singh definitely had the most, uh, I would say, overall command of the debate. He just was the most well-spoken the least uh, rebutted, like nobody really, like anytime he got into a conversation or a debate rather, he kind of got in and got out, made his points, stuck his points, um, rebutted when he had to rebut. Uh, was He was dropping jokes. He was charming. Like I said, he got an a, applause break. So he was definitely the most well-spoken. Whether or not it's all just a bunch of bullshit, because like, I mean... That was part of the article I read too. It's like, ah, oh, it's all just a bunch of misleading horseshit. They were all making shit up, according to the research that they did. That they did, according to the newspaper research that they did on like the actual validity of the facts that all these uh, pundits were uh, spouting at the debate. They're all just all these leaders were just spouting all the facts. I'm the only party that stands for this. I'm the only party that stands for that. We're the only party that stands for this. Stand for that. Yet, they're all just pretty much just making shit up, according to this Metro Star Toronto uh, newspaper report. So, hey, I don't know. But um, as diversity was um, one of the biggest um, discussions during this debate, I came up with an idea. Came up with a little, uh, came up with a little idea of my own. What about arranged fucking imagine that because you know a lot of uh, cultures have arranged marriages right Ah, that's so fucking um that's so yesterday like why not try like arranged fucking like imagine if everybody was forced to fuck somebody of a different race like just an arranged fucking it was just a part of like um it was just a part of your daily life as a canadian you pay your taxes you go to work and you go and you do your arranged fucking you know what I mean? Like, you had to fuck somebody of every different race. That way you would get a better sense of, okay, this is what it's like to be, you know, Chinese or whatever the fuck. And this is what it's like to be Indian, black, brown, white, whatever, right? Get a more harmonious sense of cock and pussy. Or even sometimes tits and dick, you know, like a she-male. You know, a transgendered, um, you know, ethnic she-male. Something along those lines of like, you know... Um, arranged fucking i think it would give people yeah you would even be forced to have gay sex that would be a good way to like um try to um bridge the gap of understanding it's like okay we understand um gay rights are an issue lgbtq community 
um, it's a big issue. And a better way for pe- for us to gain insights as a people is to experiment more with this type of sex. So like you you would draw a lottery ticket, and you might have to oh shit I'm a you know I'm a straight man and now I'm gonna have to go have sex with like a a transgendered woman. Oh well I guess I have to do it. It's part of my civil duty. It's just like going to fucking jury duty. Like you have to have, go have sex with a tranny or something, right? Or like, let's say you're a lesbian woman and, you know, you, you draw a lottery ticket. Oh, shit. Now you have to go have sex with, um, you know, um, you know, uh, a transgendered uh, man or whatever, right? Oh, 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 shit, right? Like, well, it's just a part of um, doing your taxes, right? It's, it's, it's all just a part of your civic duty. Arranged fucking. I'd like to see that on the um, on the docket, perhaps maybe in 20, uh, I guess what, 2023? Is that the next one? Next election? Or maybe if I can even like slide it under the table during this election, maybe I'll send an email to like uh, Justin Trudeau. That'll be his Hail Mary. Hello, Canadians. I know that in the past I've had some very um, hypocritical... Um, disconcerting issues arise um, due to my blackface uh, fetish and some of my hypocrisy involving um, some of my cabinet ministers in regards to the LGBTQT community, a lot of hypocrisy in my dealings with the public. So what I am transposing and transpiring is the idea of arranged fucking. Yes, I think it will bring us together as a nation, you know, everybody fucking different types of people at all fucking hours of the fucking day, arranged fucking. I think that will really help the environmental cause, the diversity issues in this country. That's what we're doing as liberals in this country. That is what we've been doing and we've been working hard to do and will continue to do for you, the people of Canada. Arranged fucking. And I will never wear a turban or blackface makeup again. It was just makeup. I was having a little fun. It was Halloween for fuck's sakes. All right? So keep that in mind for next year. Arranged fucking. My name's Justin Trudeau. (coughs) I don't know. Something like that. Anyway, hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. What is your opinion and thought pattern on the Canada federal elections debate 2019? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. On the gangster tip, I watched a brilliant movie this past weekend. You know what I'm talking about. Joker. A round of applause for Todd Phillips, the director. A round of applause for um, Joaquin Phoenix. One of the best actors, if not arguably the best actor of his generation, man. I'm talking Gladiator, Inherent Vice, Walk the Line, um, Her. You know, just a slew of these amazing films. And he definitely delivered on Joker. It was a very different uh, take on the character Joker from Batman. Historically, like in the comic world, in the comic universe, in the cinematic universe, Joker has always been very kind of clownish, dark clownish, psychopathic clown. And don't get me wrong, they definitely um, doubled down on the fucking uh, clown diggity. There was definitely a clown diggity aspect to this clownery on the Joker character in this version. But with the Joaquin version, the Joaquin Phoenix version, it was very much grounded in like um, mental health issues. He plays um, uh, dejected, failed, 
stand-up comedian slash advertisement clown dealing with mental health issues. And you get to see this um, reimagined version of the character Joker. And it, and it adds a very interesting spin on mental health issues. Um, there was a very prevailing um, idea or um, sense of chaos. Chaos was a theme, that kind of societal anarchy, chaos. Um, also, there was um, themes on like... Um, uh, I guess you would call it hierarchy, status, the haves and the have-nots, you know, like the poor and disenfranchised and the uncared for in society, and, uh, you know, the upper elite. There was definitely that kind of um, balance as well. And um, Joaquin Phoenix, I'm telling you, man, it's, it's not often in a generation that you see an actor rise to the heights and the challenges that he has risen to um, in spite of having an overwhelming hair lip. Like, it's not many actors that could rise and, you know, put out the type of output and the consistent, solid work that this guy's done with that fucking gnarled hair lip. I mean, this asshole should be on a fucking UNICEF commercial. You know, one of those Smile for Kids foundations where it's like his face was all fucked up, but due to the donation of some benevolent benefactor, he's got this fucking snare-lipped hair-lipped fucking dealt with, right? Some benevolent, um, you know, beauty. And this motherfucker rose to the ranks of, like, the, the one of the greatest actors of his generation. And he fucking slapped the shit out of this Joker character. And he put his own interesting spin. He stepped in some boots that were very hard to fill. And you know what I'm talking about. You know, you remind me of my father. I hated my father. <laughs> you see, madness is a lot like gravity. All you need is a little push. <laughs> I'm like a dog chasing a car. I wouldn't know what to do if I caught it. I just do things, Harvey Dent. You think I knew what your fucking bitch's name was before I murdered her? I didn't know anything. I was locked up in jail with, uh, you know, what his name is, uh, Commissioner Gordon. I had nothing to do with that bitch's murder. I'm telling you, Harvey Dent. All you need is a little push. <laughs> Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Heath Ledger, the Joker. Come on. Them were some hard boots to be stepping in, player. And Joaquin stepped up to the fucking plate in them clown fucking socks. And them clown fucking um, loafers. Man, he fucking did it. Um, Heath Ledger. The Dark Knight. That will probably forever be um, the benchmark of um, Joker performances. There have always... Not always. <laughs> there have always... There have obviously been um, some very noteworthy ones in the past. Um, Jack Nicholson. Uh, the one, uh, Jared Leto, you know, great actor. He recently did a version of the Joker in um, Suicide Squad. Um, even the guy who originally played Joker in the Batman series, didn't he do a pretty good job? I can't recall. But, you know, there's always been very talented actors 
taking their their um their turn their try at playing that character but just due to the myth of what happened with the whole uh Heath Ledger story the dark knight Heath Ledger he turns out that oscar winning you know very you know raw performance as the joker he unfortunately passes away untimely it's just all so shrouded in that chaos which is you know part of the character of the joker that it's just forever kind of entwined in the legacy and the story and the character of the joker so you know and uh but that being said joaquin phoenix um again great job hats off to todd phillips the director and Joaquin Phoenix. Um, definitely a um, must-see if you're a Joker fan and um, if you're a DC Comics fan, Batman fan. It's a must-see. It's a must-see. And, uh, you know, it's up for a bunch of awards this season, I believe. Or, you know, it's been winning awards, up for awards. And um, it's a definitely, definitely is a must-see. And... Um, just to harken back to the Heath Ledger character for a minute, because um, after I went and watched um, Joker, the new one that's in theaters, um, I don't want to do any spoiler alert here, so I don't want to talk too much about that one. But after I went and saw um, Joker that was in theaters this past weekend, um, I had to go revisit The Dark Knight. And uh, wow, <laughs> there's so many great scenes, you know. You know, my father was a drinker, and he came home one night drunk and uh, stuck a razor blade in my mouth, and he goes, um, why so serious? And, you know, I'm, uh, I got a dildo in my ass, and uh, I got my penis out, and I'm strumming myself in front of my father, and he goes again, why so serious? And I'm masturbating furiously in front of my father, and, uh, no, that scene never happened, but, you know, like, one of my favorite scenes was, um, when, um, you know, he's doing that social experiment, right? He's got all the, um, convicts in one boat, and all the civilians in another boat, and he's got a bomb strapped to each boat, and he gives them and he gives them each a detonator to see who's going to detonate each other first, right? And um, you know he gets on the intercom. Tonight, you're all going to be involved in a social experiment. I got two hundred tons of dynamite strapped to each boat, and I'm about to blow it sky high. Tonight, you're all going to be involved in a social experiment. <laughs> oh, man. He was just so fucking wacky. You know, just wacky. And uh, Christopher Nolan. Come on. What an amazing director. What a great action film. What a, what a great looking, action-filled, intricate film. You know? And all of his films, really, you know, like um, Memento, uh, Batman Begins, 
The Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, Inception, uh, all these fucking really intricate, beautiful looking films, Interstellar, right? So definitely Christopher Nolan too, right? Wow. Knocked it out of the park. And, um, you know, even fucking Christian Bale was pretty good too, you know? He was definitely a good Bruce Wayne, you know? And he was a pretty good Batman, right? Harvey Dent's the ray of sunshine. Gotham's been waiting for. Ah, Batman smokes. You got a light, kid? Ah, well, if you like him, you're gonna love me. <laughs> Nobody loves you. <laughs> no, uh, you know, Christian Bale was great. And, um, you know, uh, he, uh, who, uh, uh, and I thought my jokes were bad. It's your old chuckle buddy, guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan, reporting live for duty on this magnificent October 8th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Canada federal elections coming this October 21st. What are your thoughts on the previous electoral debate? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Are you a fan of Batman? Are you a fan of the Joker? Look at me. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. I am available on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify. You can get me on all those platforms. And again, do hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, you live it, you love it, you realize it. I peace.